0: Hey everybody, welcome back to the podcast. Today we're getting a chance to sit down with Josh Presley, host of the Great Canadian BJJ Show and also the head trainer of Halifax BJJ. Before we get started, don't forget to like and subscribe to our YouTube channel and our podcast. If you like all our guest episodes, our awesome technique videos that are coming out, and so much more, make sure you like and subscribe and don't forget to share. We want to build that community up as much as we can. We're also sponsored by Spirit Leaf Waterdown, located at 64 Hamilton Street North in Waterdown, Ontario. If you're looking for Canada's top cannabis brand, look no further than Spirit Leaf Waterdown, and Alex and his crew are going to help you out with all the THC and CBD products that you need. Just remember to like our Instagram plus their Instagram, and you're going to get a discount every time you shop there. So remember, that's 64 Hamilton Street North in Waterdown, Ontario. Thanks everybody for listening. We'll see you on the mask, and don't forget to subscribe. Whenever you're ready, Mike, you, 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 Wherever your you're, you're putting a lot of shows on. Are we, are we keeping all this in?
1: Sure. Sure. <laughs> we don't even know what we are talking about previously. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the podcast, to the Choking Hazard Podcast. Our guest this evening or morning or afternoon, whenever you listen to it, is Mr. Josh Presley out in Halifax, Nova Scotia. Josh, tell, uh, uh, tell our listeners a little bit about yourself and well, just a little bit of your background.
2: Yeah, so uh, thanks for having me. Like you said, my name is Josh Presley. I'm a black belt. I've spent the majority of my time training on the East Coast of Canada, uh, Halifax, Nova Scotia, like you mentioned. I actually live in Wellington, but it's probably 20 or 30 minutes outside the city. So I got my black belt from probably the most well-known gym. Oh, no,
1: he's frozen.
2: Oh. got my black belt. Um, 2015 would have been when I got my black belt. So I would have started jiu jitsu around 2007, I believe. I did quite a bit of competing in the IBJJF circuit at like blue and purple belts. Um, I got over from the IBJJF D Worlds. I got second to Michael Liera at blue belts in 2011. I got another bronze at purple belts in 2013. I got my black belt in 2015. Um, since then, I'm uh, no longer a part of Titans anymore. I teach at a Halifax BJJ. And I also have my own gym, which is the logo you see behind me. So this is just in my uh, garage, but I'm teaching at Halifax BJJ. And now I'd say I'm at the point of my career when I'm becoming more of a teacher than I am a competitor, not to say that I'm done competing because I still have a lot of good matches left in me. But I think I'm just kind of at that point now where I'm less of a competitor and more of a teacher. And I'm just trying to think, how can I kind of make my mark in the sport and what's the best way to kind of get my teaching methods across and that's kind of where I'm at in uh, in my career yeah with jiu
1: when did you actually start making that transition because like you know before like when I was I was competing a lot it's not like I necessarily like hating hated teaching or anything like that like I kind of kind of told people like hey like I was kind of a competitor first and then I was like a, a teacher second like hey I'll help out I'll show you guys some stuff kind of thing but like, when did you feel like you started making that transition? Cause I feel like I'm myself personally, I'm starting to make that transition as well, where I'm, I'm actually enjoying teaching a lot more than I am, like going out there competing myself or watching, you know, people that I'm helping get better, go out and compete.
2: Yeah, it's a good question. I would say I've always been a little bit of both. Like even when I was a blue Belts, I mean, you know, gyms were smaller at the time. So I was doing quite a bit of teaching. But I would say this was more kind of after I got my black belt because I mean, I'm in Nova Scotia, as you guys know, when you're going to jiu-jitsu tournaments, you're just paying for it yourself. So, you know, it's extra expensive for me to go out to Worlds or to do any IBJJF competition. So you know, I was really hungry for it when I was a blue belt and a purple belt. And I just didn't really care what hurdles that I had to jump over. or how I was going to get the money one way or another and go and compete. And, you know, as life goes on, I'm married now and, you know, you know, I'm older, It's tougher to get to these tournaments. So I would say once I got my black belt already at brown belt, I wasn't competing as much as I did at blue and purple belts. But I'd say once I got my black belt, I still wanted to compete but it just kind of started naturally happening where I was just teaching more classes. I was getting kind of more compliments and people were like, Oh, like I really enjoy the classes that you put on and stuff like that. And then the transition from going to from Titans to Halifax BJJ, which is the gym that I'm a part of now, like we ended up with really large class sizes. And then I, I kind of went from being like a jujitsu instructor. That was cool with like teaching a small class. And some people really prefer that to teach like kind of three, four or five people, but I went from that to like, all of a sudden I was kind of teaching 10, 15. Now I average like 18 to 20 students for the, the morning classes that I teach. So, so it's been kind of a slow progress, I guess, from like competitor to teacher, but, but it's something that I really enjoy now.
0: So you kind of mentioned like, um, you got your audio kind of transitioned out for a second. So you, who did you get your black belt from again? Sorry.
2: Yeah, so I got my black belt from Kevin Taylor Uh, Kevin Taylor is a black belt under Henzo Gracie. So Titans uh, would be under the Henzo Gracie kind of umbrella or affiliate or whatever you want to call it. So, so yeah, I did the majority of my training with, with them up until black belts. Uh, Kevin gave me my black belt in, in 2015 and then Halifax BJJ, that kind of origin story would have started around 2017, I believe, like the, towards the end of that year. So that's kind of where I've been ever since. And um, it's just awesome to see jujitsu grow, like I'm sure you guys have from the time you would have started until now. But mm-hmm. but at the time, we I was just, Titans It still is an MMA gym as well. And I didn't even think it would have been possible, especially around Nova Scotia, to have a gym that was just jujitsu and nothing else. And Halifax BJJ is really done that and gone above and beyond with the amount of numbers and, and students that they have so it's it's really awesome to see
0: so obviously it's kind of like in the GTA we have the collection of so many different schools obviously because of the population have you kind of seen the like the type of growth especially in the like called the east coast let's call it that a lot more schools a lot more people getting involved in the sport at all
2: yeah man it's pretty crazy like I haven't done a whole lot of training or competing in Ontario. I did the Abu Dhabi trials that was there in 2017, I think. Um, it would have been a couple of years after I got my black belt. And yeah, I mean, like every it seemed like every corner there was a, a jiu-jitsu gym. And it's not quite that big in Nova Scotia, but it really is pretty crazy in how, like, I mean, we're a pretty small province, but I could probably name just like 10 or 12 kind of gyms or affiliates just off the top of my head that are kind of throughout Nova Scotia. And in, like, small areas of the province, like, there's a gym that's an affiliate of ours called Breakthrough uh, Jiu-Jitsu, and they're out in Amherst, and it's much, much smaller than Halifax, like, they're kind of, um, they're very close to the New Brunswick border, so it's not a big town at all, but... The gym there breakthrough they just basically doubled in size they had to move to a bigger location and it's just it's just jujitsu man like you guys train you know what it's like it's like when that kind of thing spreads and you get more people doing it and you start they're bringing their friends in it's just a really cool organic thing that doesn't happen with a lot of other like sports and activities I think some sports get kind of pushed on especially kids kind of too much and too hard and too soon but it's cool to see A jiu jitsu gym and a room develop and go from like start out kind of small, and you see just people come become like naturally attracted to it and and it start to grow. So, so yeah, when I would have started, there was probably like maybe three to four gyms in the province. And I would say now, like we're easily like 10 to 15 gyms, if not more.
1: Nice. So, like, you know, with the last year and a half, I know with COVID, there's been a lot of challenges and difficulties we've talked about it like in the gta but like what has that been like with you know with you and running a gym and like what are what are some things that have been happening like in nova scotia for people that are listening to this in ontario or elsewhere? like what are some things that have been you know going on with that up until now
2: yeah it's an interesting question it's something that i always ask on uh, my own podcast kind of what everybody's covid story has been And I think for Nova Scotia, it hasn't been quite as bad as probably it was in uh, where where you're at, you're outside Toronto, I believe, or anywhere in Ontario, because things seem to happen a little bit slower here, uh, no matter in terms of uh, COVID or technology or what have you. But so yeah, we were shut down, I remember March 2020. Um, the gym was shutting down and I'm just the type of person that like, I'm, I'm going to find a way to train. Like, as long as it's possible, like I'm, I'm going to be able to do it just because it's, it's such a big part of my life and it has been for, for so long. So basically like once I kind of, once we realized like, okay, the gyms actually, we're not even going to be able to physically open the gym. Like, what are we going to do? So it was me and another blue belt at the time. Um, we just got a couple of mats off of Amazon and we were rolling in his basement, just really like, you know, lo-fi kind of stuff but we were still doing it every day and we were kind of still able to to you know do a little bit of roll and not go too crazy or anything because there's a couch or a tv in the way but Mm -hmm. so we were doing that for for a few months um and then you know we kind of slowly upgraded the setup there was a shed that we were rolling in (laughs) (laughs) so we went from the, the basement to the shed had a little bit more space And really the COVID times was a big uh, motivator for me for opening up this space, because I just got to a point where I just, you know, like, so we were shut down for like three months. We were doing this basement training. We were training in the shed. Okay. Then we're allowed to come back to the gym and we were allowed to come back in small bubbles. So basically I was given a bubble of like 10 people for the morning and they were like, okay, you can't train outside your bubble. You guys train from six to seven. And you got these four time slots a week and like, that's it. Right. So it's like, okay, if that's what it is, that's what it is. So that's what we were doing for a few weeks. Then we got shut down again. So it was like no more training at all. So this happened two or three times. So I got to the point where I was like, I was like, I don't want to, like, I want to be able to train and I don't want it to be dictated by whatever rules are going on, you know, in society. I'm not, not getting into like the whole COVID thing. You know, it's, it's a thing to me, you know, I don't, you know the science behind it or whatever is, is its own thing, but I want to be able to do jujitsu like regardless of what's going on in the world. So I wanted to kind of get this thing going for myself. So I basically, um, we had moved, uh, me and my wife and we, uh, went for a play- from a place where we didn't have any type of garage to a, a double garage. So basically as soon as we uh, moved in, I was like, all right, well, I got to throw the mats down and, uh, and get my set so that-
1: building a gym.
2: <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And then, uh, luckily my dad is, uh, is quite handy. So, so we went the extra mile and we put in a whole, uh, subfloor with like foam blocks and then this oh, wow. plywood top, and then put the mats over top of it. So it's, it's, it's really quite nice. And, um, and yeah, so I've been just, you know, running some privates and some small classes out here. So, you know, I was just worried that I wasn't going to be able to train again. Cause it was like, you know, what if, what if we get shut down for six months or eight months? Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, I don't want to have to go back to rolling in the basement and just, just having one blue belt to beat up. I want, I want to yeah. have some, some training partners. Right. So I, think, I think
1: I think your story is very similar to mine. He's actually a purple belt now, but there, I found, I did find a, a blue belt who listens to this podcast. Shout out to him. I'm going to keep him nameless that I uh, continually just beat on during the, during. but it was also, it was beneficial because like, you know, I, he was helping me train. I actually, you know, picked up some ideas and things from him and I'm sure I helped him out in the in the the beatings as well so shout out to that unnamed person you know who you are who listen to who listens to this
2: yeah and i feel like i'm the type of person that i'll always find the best in whatever type of especially bad situation that i'm in so during like the real bad COVID times when it was just basically like I'm training once a day and I'm getting three rolls in the basement. I still like took that time to like watch a lot of footage, catch up on like some, sharpen up on some instructional material, watch some competition footage. I started doing my own podcast to try to connect with people and stuff that way. So I tried to be productive with the time. I just didn't want to be like, well, shit, I can't train. Like life sucks. You know, life sucks, but you can still train and try to get something out of it. So.
1: That's so basically I, like, what Aaron was doing. The whole, this sucks. This is
0: stupid. <laughs> Let's right, podcast, well, I, did, right? I didn't have anybody to train with. That was my issue. Right. So like. We don't have any it, friends? <laughs> well, no, it, it took me a while to get like, you know let's call it permission if you want from my way but <laughs> but it was like manager he had to talk to I had manager. to talk to my manager and um you know it was basically finally able to get some training in but it was like anything I didn't have anything to do so it was like watching footage and it was like okay and that's where the whole sprung the idea of a podcast up too right so like that's Mike and I had talked about doing a podcast for like months and years and we're like okay we have no excuse now <laughs> like yeah. let's just do it And like, and that's kind of like what I wanted to ask you, like, like how did you kind of like get into that whole transition of even like starting up your podcast? Cause for everybody to listening right now, like, you're the host of the uh, great Canadian BJJ podcast show. So like, how'd that happen?
2: Yeah. So I would say it's probably pretty similar to how, how you guys kind of started. I wouldn't say it was always a, a dream of mine or anything. Um, but it, I definitely noticed it just become, kind of becoming more popular and, and stuff like that. And I'm the type of person where if I do something, like, I don't want it to be half ass. Like I want to, I want to do it. Like I didn't want to like have an idea for a podcast and do one episode and then that just totally be it. Right. Cause I know there's lots of people that do that. So, so yeah, it was pretty much just, just out of COVID boredom where I, you know, um, I wanted to talk to some people about jujitsu, and you know, like can remember saying to my wife before, like, ah, I just wish I had someone to talk about jujitsu with. Like, where it's just us watching Seinfeld or whatever.
1: <laughs> <laughs> ah, you're no, you're no fun. I need to find somebody to talk jujitsu with. <laughs> oh, so, and
2: uh, and I find for myself, I mean, I'm I'm a I'm pretty introverted uh, personality wise. You know, like I'm I'm pretty quiet quiet guy. So I feel like it's it's me kind of getting out of my comfort zone, reaching out to people that's maybe I'm already friends with and I haven't talked to in, you know, some time. So it's a good way to kind of chat. And I think it's just a good way just to kind of spread the message about jujitsu. Cause I don't think like my goal for this podcast, isn't to be like rich and have a million people listen to me, blah, blah, blah. Like, like, I mean, if that happens, cool. But I think for me, it's like, you know, there's people that pay attention to me and listen to me and you know, I'm a black belt. So I think I have some good experiences to share. And I think to me, if, if you can just kind of spread that message to even just a couple people or even just like one person, like as kind of lame as it sounds, if you can kind of make a difference for one person, I think it's worth it. And I know like the people that I've chatted with have kind of like opened up, which is kind of cool and like shared stories that I either haven't heard before or I know that would make a difference for me or motivate somebody else. So, you know, I think just just. Making a difference like on a small scale is kind of just what I'm what I'm trying to do and just kind of spread the word of jiu-jitsu and
1: tell people what it's about. Yeah, that's where uh we that's basically we have a similar origin story of the of our podcast as well. Um, what what is actually some advice to somebody you would give to somebody who either wants to open up a gym or like, hey, they want to start a podcast because you know, I'll be I'll be openly honest. I kind of probably share the same view as you. If you want to start a podcast. Don't expect to make a lot of money because <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll be honest. The check is still in the mail. Like Aaron, like where,
0: where's our money?
1: <laughs> totally. Still
0: in the mail. It still costing us money. <laughs> still yeah.
2: yeah, no, I think I've made about as much as you guys by the sounds of it. But, <laughs> but I would say my advice really like, is just, just do it. Like don't overthink it. Like if you want to do, especially the podcast, cause it's just, it's just very low barriers to entry. Like I just do my podcast on anchor and it's just, just audio only. Like I, I'm too lazy to even want to do the video, but especially if you're wanting to do a podcast and, and even just opening a gym to like, like just, just do it. Like, I think that's, that's the best thing that you can do. Like, cause you're just getting jitsu out there to that many more people. Like, I'm not saying if you're a white belt and you've just done two classes, go open a gym. That's not what I'm saying. But if you feel like you have a good handle on jujitsu and maybe you're like, even like purple belts, like like I said, I was teaching as a blue belt, and it was just because you know gyms were small. My instructor would go away. It'd be like I was either the highest rank or like the best person to do it, so they just got me to do it. Um, but yeah, I think like the more jujitsu gyms, the better, and you know, kind of the cream will always rise to the top in terms of like who has the best competitors and who's the best instructors. But I think a lot of time can be wasted due to like doing nothing right so i think if you do if if that really is your goal and you really have to really be about it and you have to love it if, and i think a lot of us if anyone's anyone that's watching this is definitely definitely loves jujitsu. jitsu so i think if that's a goal of all, yours, all, all, tw-
1: all 12 of our listeners
2: <laughs> <laughs> i think if it's a goal you just gotta you just gotta do it and just you know don't care what anybody else thinks and don't get caught up in like the amount of listeners or the amount of views just just do it because you enjoy it
1: did you hear that, Aaron? Let's let's do this because we enjoy it. Okay.
0: Hey, man, I, I we're up on episode seventy-five. We're like we're we're going a lot longer than my wife ever thought we would. So we're uh, we're making <laughs> progress. <laughs> so
2: I mean, you know. I'm sure you guys have had. Uh, I mean, I I have listened to some of your episodes uh, before and just kind of skimmed through. Just listen to people that I've known, and it's a great way to find to discover new people too. But I'm sure you've you've discovered new people just interviewing them on this show. Like I got to talk to like Kanet stack. And to me, that was a cool one because she had one ADCC before. And I was just kind of looking at like people who had one ADCC. And I was like, I feel like if anyone is going to message me back, it'll probably be one of, the, <laughs> one of the ladies that won. they seem to be a little nicer <laughs> than some of the guys that want a little less uh, ego. And I, and then, so yeah, I just messaged her on Instagram and she messaged me back and it was, you know, it took a while, it took a month or two to kind of nail down a time, but but that one was super cool to me. And that's not like a super popular episode that I did. But to me, it was really cool because I got to talk to someone who was like as equally, if not more passionate about Jiu-Jitsu as me. And, you know, I got to hear some of her story. To me, it was really interesting. I talked to a couple other people that found it cool. So like, to me, that that's all, that's good enough for me.
0: No, it, it, exactly. Like we've met so many different like academy owners or like people that we've known and like gotten to have like good in depth conversations especially about you know their personal struggles or like you know how they found their passion or like even just things that they've been working on in between like between COVID and between now and like what their their goals are moving forward. So we've had a lot of great guests and like. Again, we we're planning on having a lot more guests throughout this future. So it's, I think it's one of the greatest things that we ever did. Kind of starting it off, and it's slowly grown into what it is now. And we don't plan on stopping anytime soon and just keep going with it, right? And it's like you said, like you find something you drive with, just keep going. Who, who? Nobody's going to tell you to stop. So just keep going.
1: Except me, I'm going to Aaron. You need to stop. <laughs> well, if
0: you got to stop, you gotta stop. I get it. <laughs> you only need
1: <laughs> one, bro. <laughs> <laughs>
2: But no, man, I, uh, I agree. And I, I love it. I love seeing more podcasts pop up and, you know, like, it's just, it's just wicked. So, so yeah, no, I like what you guys are doing. Um, I think one of the ones that I listened to that you guys did probably, I don't even know how recent it was, but uh, Alison Trombley, I interviewed oh, I was her. Like,
0: it was like one of our like very first ones too. It was like last year, probably. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. So yeah, I was like, well, yeah last year. because I
2: had, I, I, I scheduled an interview with her and then I was looking up like, other interviews that she did and i was like i was like oh cool these guys interviewed her so then i watched that one just to kind of so i had an idea of like some stories that she'd already told so stuff that Mm -hmm. i kind of wanted to drill down deeper on or or avoid or whatever so so that was a cool one that i had listened to and i like how you guys were getting some of like the the real like ogs in ontario that was uh, some interesting stories to hear and and i kind of want to do that with my podcast too it's cool how like jiu-jitsu kind of got its start in each city and, and province to me anyway
1: trying to find the godfathers of jiu-jitsu was uh the A- A- aaron was that one of the podcasts where me and you just had like an on-air fight for like five minutes or did Possibly. you just, just no? i think i think you, you and just i just kept out. going
0: at it or it was that one or there's another one but like I, I, allison just kind of sat there for like five minutes while mike and i just argued with each other over something.
1: she's just kind of giggling this is the things that uh, sometimes maybe Aaron edits out or not. You know, I I try to tell Aaron not to take himself too seriously, but you know, this is right. this is the result of what happens. Unfortunately, <laughs> I want to I want to actually transition a bit. So you know, we talked about jiu-jitsu. We talk about the origin of your your podcast. How did you actually get into jiu-jitsu originally? Because you know, when you started back in like 2007, I'm guessing there wasn't like, oh, like there's this jiu-jitsu place down the street from where I live uh, in Halifax, like yeah, hey, or, you know, in Nova Scotia, Hey, I'm, I'm just going to go to the the local BJJ shop and start training. Like, how did your, how did you find jujitsu there? And like, how did you get started?
2: Yeah. So it's, it's a interesting story. So yeah, I was athletic as a kid. I played hockey and soccer when I was young from, I don't know, six until 14, 15. And actually when I was like a teenager 13 14 15 I was actually quite overweight and the heaviest I ever was at the time was probably 205 210 which now I average like 160 165 um so I actually had started trying to lose weight just from like reading like men's health magazines and stuff at the time I was like f- finding motivation in that and I was into watching UFC because I was in high school at the time so couple friends and me were into watching UFC and at the time it was like Chuck Liddell was really popular and GSP um and I remember watching one of Chuck Liddell's fights and like for the weight it had like he was 205 and I remember being like like fuck I weighed myself and I was like 206 or 207 like I don't think I should be in the same weight class as Chuck Liddell like this guy <laughs> so, so then I was like I think I had got to lose weight so I just started like you know just trying to find different things around me to find motivation. And I was interested in doing some type of martial arts, but at at this point I was 16 years old and I didn't have any aspirations to be like a fighter or an MMA fighter. I just thought it'd be cool to, you know, get into something and like try to work towards a black belt. This was my goal at the time when I was 16 and there was no Facebook or, or anything back then. Like what I was using back then was the yellow pages. So while I was at work, <laughs> I just looked through the yellow pages and looked through, like, it was in like other sports and like martial arts. So there was like aikido and tons of Taekwondo and tons of karate, but I didn't really want to do that. Cause from what I was seeing in the UFC, it seemed like it was like, you got to have like striking or, and, and grappling was like the two main things. And I had seen one of the Ultimate Fighter finales, Diego Sanchez and Cara Parisian had a really mm, highlight-worthy, yeah. real fight. So I, I saw that. I was like, I was like, that was really cool. I was like, it'd be really cool to learn judo. Like you can be throw someone on their head like that. Like that'd be badass. So that was what I was trying to get into. I was looking for somewhere to do judo, but there was nowhere around close enough to do it. The closest spot was Bridgewater, and that's like hours away from from where I'm at. So there. I did somehow come across a couple of jiu-jitsu gyms. And um, at the time it was just Titans in Halifax and Fit Plus and Dartmouth, which is basically just like across the bridge. So they had a couple of popular fighters at the time. So I basically just ended up going to Titans and I went with a high school friend at the time and another guy that I worked with. So we kind of went to our first class and it was just the classic, you know, like, like the Rocky scene when you walk into the gym and everyone's hitting the heavy bags and stuff except for us it was just you're waiting in the alley for someone to come unlock the door and you're just hoping that there's actually a class you don't really know like what's going on
0: so Hi guys do you have jujitsu tonight <laughs> yeah
2: right like a 16 16 year old kid I don't know what's going on finally someone shows up 20 minutes late um, the court <laughs> and they uh, they run us through like kind of a basic beginner's class and you know the first like couple classes you, you're kind of getting into it you don't really know what it's about or you know anything like that but so i would say probably by a month my other buddies had kind of dropped out but by that time i had already kind of made some friends in the class and i kind of felt mm-hmm. like i was getting into it so so i would say after i got about a month in i was starting to be like okay like i think i kind of want to do this and got a knack for it and then from the time that i started it was probably august 2007 then i got a gi around christmas time like up until then i was just training twice a week it was only no gi that we did so i got a gi i had to go to this weird store in somebody's house to buy a gi because there's just like (laughs) where you could buy martial arts gi so I went and did that and then then yeah then I was kind of just going to more regular classes people were like oh you should come to like the Sunday open roll like we have a class then so then then I was like into it and and really have been ever since so so yeah it just kind of came for me kind of like being out of shape and kind of wanting to get in shape and then and then once I kind of lost some weight, I was like, okay, now I want to do, uh, now I want to do a martial art and I discovered jujitsu and I, uh, have really had to look back ever since. So like, that's how I got into it.
0: So kind of like, you know, through your evolution from like competitor to co- like to teacher now, and especially like getting into like instructionals and there's just so much more available for students, right? Like when you kind of like look at instructional formatting and all that, like what do you kind of look for, especially like for a student, like what's a good format for them to learn off of? Is it more like- Like if I'm oh, teaching? Yeah, if you're teaching or like if they're going to grab it, an instructional off of you or if like you going to recommend one, like how would you kind of formulate the best way for a student to learn from?
2: Um. Couple different ways you can you can look at that one. I'll I'll start off with uh, how I how I would teach it, and then I'll answer like what I would recommend in an instructional separately. How I would teach it, and kind of how I've learned teaching over the years is that I really feel like less is more. Like I was definitely been in classes, you know, where the instructor shows four, five, six different techniques, and that can be a good class. But I think if you just think in terms of how people learn and how I learn and how most people learn is that, you know, like you get little bits of information and you take that and maybe you can work on it and add that to your game. And then you add a little bit more. No one's ever learned six moves in a class and remembered all of them and used them effectively. Like that's no. not how it's right. Like to me, I don't do warm ups Like that's a big part of my classes. I don't do the running and <laughs> shrimps and jumping jacks and all that stuff. Like, you know, I could go on about that for an hour, but it's bullshit. <laughs> Really Sorry, dish. I just
1: I I just think it's funny from like a personal transfer. It. It's like, don't fucking warm up. That shit's stupid. Okay, <laughs> just uh, throw mean- some weight on the bench press. Don't be a <laughs> pussy <laughs> just bench. Okay, but like in jujitsu, I totally know you. I totally know what you're saying. It's like okay, like front rolls and back rolls. Like for like a more advanced student, like I, you need to take your time and and put it into the areas that are important. Like you know, drilling concepts, like things like that, versus. I think by the time you're a purple belt and a brown belt, like a front roll and that application may not be as important in the hierarchy of learning, if that makes sense, right? A hundred percent, a hundred percent. And
2: the and and I I do do warm ups. It's just not like the classic jujitsu warm up that you think of, like you know the big circle warm up and you're running in circles and you're doing this and that. I'll pick a technique. Like okay, for example, Friday, my the first technique of the class and the warm up was arm drags. We did uh, a round of arm drags from butterfly gear. One person did it for three minutes, arm drag, take the person's back, arm drag, take the person's back. And then they do that for three minutes, then switch, and then the other person went. Then we did another butterfly drill right? We did the hook sweep, right? One person did that for a round switch, then the other person did that for a round. So we did three drills like that. So now like we're, we're 15 minutes into the class and we've already done three drills to warm up and, and done probably, you know, at least 10 to 12 reps for each drill rather Mm -hmm. than just run in circles and do jumping jacks. And then your heart rate's up, but you haven't really done any jujitsu yet. You know, like I think you, like the warmups just need to change. Like that classic jujitsu warmup, like, I've done podcasts on it where I've talked about how much it needs to change. And like, I feel like it's almost becoming my mission in life to get, especially my students and people (laughs) at the gym to just get off it. Like, we just got to kill it guys. We got to really stop because you can just spend so much better time doing armbars or armbar defense. So, you know, like I'm not starting out the classes with like flying armbar attacks or like, you know, techniques that, you know, like, that you're not going to be able to do. Like, I just, I just like my stuff to be simple enough. That you can do it. It's makes makes sense as a warm up technique, and then we just kind of drill down deeper into that position. Tomorrow uh, morning's class, I'm going to do more butterfly guard, but instead of doing arm drags, I'm just going to do like grab the collar tie, pop up to front headlock, and then take the back. Like that's what we'll do for the warm up. Each person will drill that for five minutes. Then you have a lot of good reps in that specific move and specific position, and then we drill from there. So at this point. I will do like one warm-up technique and then I'll just go like maybe two or three at the most techniques on top of that. Any more than that, they're not going to remember it anyways. What's the point, right? Another thing that I've added in more for my own classes is free drilling. And I kind of bounce back and forth. Like maybe I should like let them warm up with this. Maybe I should just like, when should I do it? But I usually do it before I get people to roll. So I'll teach three techniques from butterfly. And then I'll say, okay, guys, we're just going to do a drilling round. It can be something that we already did this class, or if you have something totally random that you saw that you want to try out now's the time. So I'll put the timer on five minutes and I'll just say, just try to pick one thing and just drill it. A lot of people do what we already did. Sometimes you see people get into leg locks and different stuff. So it gives me an idea too, of like where people's heads are at and like where I should be going next. Cause if everyone's doing leg locks and they're, they're doing it wrong, then it's like, okay, well, next class, I got to do leg locks, right? So I'm just really willing, willing to experiment with, with class structure and like what I'm doing. Cause you know, we've all had the classic do warm up, You do, uh, however many techniques and then you roll. And, like, I think we can just better refine that process and, and, and work on it. And, and yeah, so that's, that's how I run my classes.
0: Why do you think that that traditional warm-up is always just like people just try to beat that into every student? Is that just kind of like the is it easy and that way people just don't want to change it? They don't want to evolve? Or is it like, I don't know. What's your opinion on that?
2: That's part of it, definitely. I mean, I, I think it's just kind of human nature that you're gonna teach what you learned and however you learned it that's what you're going to feel like is the right thing to do that that's what i did for a long time like mm-hmm. i'm not saying i never did those
1: those classic warm-ups because i did you know i wasted yeah them. everybody's done them years yeah. of time all, doing all done them unless you're a purple belt and you walk <laughs> in. yeah, right yeah you walk,
0: you walk in 20 minutes late yeah that's why yeah.
2: <laughs> right yeah that's the classic meme right and it's and it's true because when you're a purple belt you realize like you don't need to do that to warm up you can just kind of show up and jump in the first couple techniques and you know
1: <laughs> yeah. you're, you're, you're fine <laughs> It's you're it's fine. Think... You're being efficient. You're not, you're not being yeah. lazy. You're being efficient. Jiu-jitsu is about efficiency. Exactly. Like, you got to be efficient with your time. So if you're going to go there, like why are you going to run in a circle for 20 minutes? You're going to take that time and I'll take a nap, eat a sandwich, and then go to class. Like, you know, there's a whole bunch of things you could do instead of running around in a circle. So, yeah, I think
2: doing what your instructor did, if your instructor was the type of person that did that warm-up at the start of every single class and then he asked you to teach... Chances are you're probably just going to run that warm up because, for one, everyone's used to it. If you do anything different, people are going to be like, Oh, what are we doing? Like, we always do it this way, right? Which is like, that's its own thing in itself, trying to break those habits out of people. And another thing that I think too is that the warm up, the classic jiu-jitsu warm-up, it eats up a lot of time. Like, it usually will take 10, 15. I've seen people do 20 or 30-minute warm-ups. And I don't know just the way that I teach like I put a lot of time and thought into like what am I going to show like what makes sense what actually works for me right and if you don't take that time to think about your classes you're just like okay well we'll just do a 30 minute warm-up and then I'll only have to show two techniques right like I think a lot of people it's just like, it's just a good way to fill time yeah
0: that makes sense
1: Aaron have you been guilty of teaching that
0: I, no, I've, everybody's done it though. Like Everybody. you can't even like everybody's done it. So I'm not even going to lie and say no, but like, but again, like I've switched the way I've teach my warmups. Now it's more technique based, right? Like hundred percent. It's I like
1: to do kind of like a combination. Like, let's say if you're teaching like a white belt fundamental class, maybe if you're, you plan on teaching like throws and takedowns. Okay. Let's make sure we all know how to break fall. So nobody gets a concussion, you know, things like yeah. that, like specific things to that. And then it's like okay let's but we're not spending like a half an hour doing break falls it's like let's do all right everybody's going to do 10 break falls we're going to do you know let's make sure we're not going to kill ourselves if we're getting thrown now we're actually going to work on what we all came here to do
0: but that's kind of the yeah. point of like like fundamentals classes though right like if you're going to have that traditional style i don't know this is my opinion like that's where you would do your traditional type warm-up to learn how to do break falls rolls all that shrimps all that stuff that's your fundamentals more than anything and then you're anybody past two stripes okay let's move on now
2: yeah i agree and especially if there was a time to do it it would be in a class full of like brand new people that don't really know anything that would kind of be to me the time to like okay let's get everyone on the same page let's show you how to move your feet let's show you how to bridge let's show you how to shrimp but that being said like I teach a funda- fundamental class three times a week and I I just don't do those warm-ups <laughs> it's just, I, just, I feel I just like it, like it. my thing now is just <laughs> not do it like I'm just I'm just like now like I'm just I'm just not doing it like I, it's cool for my own time and my own sake to see Cause it's like, it's like my own class is like my own kind of experiment. So it's like, okay, I'm taking these people from day one and I'm really seeing like, does it matter? Does it make a difference if we get them shrimping and bridging and doing all this stuff every single day, or will they be better suited just kind of doing technique and just doing arm bars and breaking guard and Mm -hmm. defending the back, you know? So, so it's cool. Yeah. I I just like experimenting with uh, my classes
1: feel like you're a missionary. You're going to be flying to different countries. Like, oh, no, no, this is not the way. I'm open, I'm open to it, yeah. I'm going to change the way everybody thinks about the jiu-jitsu. This is, this is, not, the, this is not the way. <laughs> That's right. Speaking, speaking of white belts, um, what a, this is a common thing I want to I ask people coming on is, you know, a couple things. Like, number one, like, what advice would you give to yourself as, like, a white belt? Or, like, just, you know, somebody who's starting jiu-jitsu – or somebody who's like, you know, white belt right now listening to this podcast, like what are some, some of the mistakes you made or what like what's some good advice that you would give, you know, white belts or beginners that are, want to learn jujitsu and, you know, how to structure their training and what they should be uh, kind of focusing on at that phase.
2: Yeah, that's a really good question. I think what would I tell myself uh, at white belt, and what would I tell a lot of people is that you just need more mat time. And I would say, don't act or pretend like you know anything because you don't know anything even now as a black belt like only now do I realize how little I know like it sounds cliche but it's like I don't know shit and I've been training for you know <laughs> 2007 and there's people that can totally smash me you know and, that, and that's cool you know it doesn't like take away from my love of jujitsu. but I think a lot of people in jiu-jitsu and I see some white belts like they do, they get to know like a little bit and they think they know like a lot. Like they'll think like, no matter what you show them, they kind of have an idea about it. But I feel like it's much better to just go in with like no expectations. And it's like, like, don't pretend you know anything, pretend you don't know anything at all. And just try to take in information from everybody. Like you got to try to take in information from everyone, try to develop a good filter in your mind. It's something that's really important nowadays with, youtube and the amount of content that's online you've got to have a good filter in your mind for techniques that are effective versus techniques that are bullshit like we've all seen techniques on youtube or on a quick instagram reel that it's like you know the person's not resisting and they're just standing there and they do this fancy flipping technique and you're just like that's just not going to work right and some people they just got they get caught up on that it looks cool and they're like oh man like can you show me this like rolling spinning jumping on the plot and i'm like no i'm not going to show it to you because it doesn't work you know <laughs> I like, you know, just need that type of like reality check and um and yeah i would just say like what i would tell myself is just like get on the mats more as much as i train i would just say you got to do it more don't don't act like you know anything just try to be humble and that's that's how you're going to progress the fastest and you just just get on the mat and just roll, roll with everyone, roll with people that are better than you, roll with people that are worse than you. Learn how to roll with
1: everyone and how to
2: get something out of every single round, and and you're going to progress faster.
1: And embrace how much you actually suck at jujitsu, which I exactly. which I've which I've done. I'm like I've been training a while, and I'm still. Ter- I just tell myself I'm I am still terrible at jujitsu compared to like the highest level people, and some some of which I've trained with, and I've told stories on this podcast where you're like, you think you're okay, and you kind of like know a few things, and then you train with like, people who actually know things, and you just get absolutely demolished?
2: 100%. And it, it keeps you hungry. And like, and like, it's all self deprecating humor, you know, and, and stuff like that. But, but I mean, like, sometimes I'll tell people, you know, like, like, I can beat everybody in this class, you know, but I still suck. So how bad do you guys suck? you know, know, because just like you said, like you, like I've trained with like, uh, John Thomas, uh, who's a really well-known instructor now. And I've got to train with Ryan Hall and I've got to train with uh, Oliver Tazza from uh, DDS. So like, you know, I've trained with really some of the best people in this sport and yeah, they've all kicked my ass, but you know, I've got to train with them and I've enjoyed it. And, you know, I've learned something from every single one of them. So, I've always had that attitude in jiu-jitsu. Even when I was a white belt, I've always been a fairly humble person. And I feel like jujitsu, you know, it just beats the humbleness into you if you don't already have it. So I think that's, that's how you improve is you just kind of stay humble and stay on the grind and, and just try to learn from, from those that are, are better than you and those that have come before you.
0: Yeah. I think that's so important, especially when you're looking at building that culture inside your gym too. Right. So it's making sure that everybody in the club is just on the same page right so how do you kind of like maintain that attitude throughout all your students is that just something that you just kind of like always kind of constantly reminding them of or sometimes you have to have those conversations with them how does it kind of work with you guys
2: I mean I guess I'm I'm a lead by example type of person so I think if they the students kind of see how i'm acting and how i carry myself i feel like or i hope like that kind of rubs off on them and i know especially for some of my more senior students they definitely have a similar attitude and and temperament to me but you really can't like ensure that type of attitude in every single student i think it's one of the reasons why I, i feel like it's it is important to try to be a good role model and for me to try to put on good classes and try to get you know kind of the best that i can out of myself and and every other person is that you know you you gotta you gotta kind of do do stuff like that, but it, it's tough. You can't get the same attitude at everyone. I'm sure you guys know people that come in and they're a little more hot headed or or like really hard on themselves, you know. And sometimes people take a little extra time. Like there's one guy in my morning class recently who's uh, he's at a good level. Um, he is a white belt, um, but he's like he just thinks he should be like really easily beating all the other white belts. And I basically had to have a chat with him the other day and I was like, listen, man, like you're really good, but you just can't have that expectation on yourself that you're going to beat every single white belt. Like there's going to be white belts that come in and you'll mop the floor with them. And then there's going to be other white belts that come in and maybe they played football for four years and they're an athletic freak and they haven't really trained, but like you're not going to be able to submit them and like you have to deal with that like that's not. That doesn't mean you suck. It means like it's showing you you have to improve and like you can't have these expectations on yourself, especially that early on at white belts, you know, like you like this is a long road and you don't want to like put so much pressure on yourself that you're not even out of the gate and you're like, oh man, I should beat this person or I should beat that person or this person beats me. I suck. You just really have to, to like, enjoy the journey and try to not go with too much expectations. And it's tough nowadays because people put so much emphasis on competition and who's the best and, and all this stuff. So I think it's really hard for, for younger people. And like I said, when I was getting started, like Facebook was kind of just becoming popular, like there was no Instagram. Like, so I think it would be, it would be more challenging for me if I was kind of doing it as a blue belt and a purple belt nowadays and especially you see the success that Gordon Ryan has and other people that are just kind of big mouse and they, they kind of just shoot off on Instagram. And I've always been just kind of a more quiet. Like I said, I'm pretty introverted. Like I would just rattle at the work speak for itself. So I think I would struggle more in just terms of like getting noticed. And, you know, I guess I'm still not super like noticed, but it's, uh, it's something that I have to like work on. But it's just like kind of like the WWE kind of bleeding into jiu-jitsu which Mm -hmm. it works for some people that have that type of personality and other people like like me and other people there's lots of people in jiu-jitsu that they just want to go have good matches and good roles and maybe they win the goal but they don't like they're not super braggy about it so so yeah each each attitude in jiu-jitsu kind of comes with its own challenges I guess.
1: Yeah, it, it really does. Like, what are your thoughts on that? Actually, it's more just to expand on it. Cause like, you know, we talked about Gordon Ryan who's a lot more kind of like WW and I mean, don't get me wrong. It works. Like he's getting a lot more attention and he's probably going to be making more money off of that because, you know, he's generating interest in the sport. But with that's with that said, like, what are your thoughts on like, you know, events, like, you know, like who's number one and flow grappling and like they're, you know, some of them are promoting this stuff. Some of them are not, they've had, you know, some really good tournaments recently as well with, uh, you know, like the who's number one uh, championships as well. So, what's kind of like your your thought on like kind of the evolution and like where things are going, and like what are some good things and maybe bad things about that?
2: Um. Well, I mean, I'll start by saying that when I was a kid, I loved WWE, so no one loved The Rock and Stone Cold and that stuff more than me. So, I do love that type of stuff, but it's weird when it gets mixed in with real sports. Like, you don't really see people acting like that in like hockey or
1: basketball or baseball so it's, kind of it's just like <laughs> it's kind of weird in those sports too it's like baseball I'm gonna kick your ass I'm gonna <laughs> yeah. hit this home run what are you gonna do about it you don't really
2: see it so when you do see it in jujitsu or MMA it's just it's just kind of weird but um in terms of like flow grappling and all the events that are happening like it's it's incredible like I you know when I don't know when you guys would have started jujitsu, but I remember the days when to try to get to watch worlds, you had to go on three different links and open up, you know, this, yeah, it, it didn't even make sense how you were going to try to like get on to log on to watch it. You had to go on IBJJF and they had some other like service that you had to try to sign up for. Like it was, it was just ridiculous. But now you got this flow grappling where you can basically go on and watch any of the big name events. A lot of it has commentary now. And I think that's a huge thing that I, people never ever talked about when I was a lower belt how none of the matches had commentary on it and i was like well, i was like how come no one ever talks about this every other sport that you watch there's commentary and there's commentators telling you what's happening for jujitsu they just expect you to know what the fuck is happening with these guys rolling around on the ground like you know like my mom or my grandparents are gonna know what's happening if they come and watch this so i always thought that was kind of weird but flow grappling is really nailing it just because they have you know the most amount of money to put behind it so it's cool to see these events with a really high level production. And you see like the tail of the tape and you see these guys' names on the screens. It's all little things. Like if you, if you showed someone that like watched NFL every week, they're not really going to care, but for jujitsu, it's actually a really big deal because even if you were to go back in 2010, 2011, which isn't that long ago, like, you know, I challenge you to try to find the world's event from 2011 or 2010 like you probably can't find it you might be able to find it on that but flow grappling does a great job of archiving everything they promote um the big events coming up i think where it gets a little bit weird is that flow grappling obviously has their favorites that they cater to because you know i feel like there's more than just like the 10 grapplers that they showcase in the middleweight and the lightweight division. Like how many times have those guys been on who's number one versus how many grapplers that there are, you know, like it's, that's what's a little bit weird about it. And where I'm not like actively trying to be one of these guys on who's number one, like to me, I don't really care as much, but I could see how it would be frustrating if you're like a really, really good middleweight black belt, but you don't talk a lot online. So you see all these other guys get put ahead of you on flow and then they just keep getting, you know, chance after chance after chance. So I would like to see flow kind of open it up to have a little bit more variety and mixture of teams and competitors, you know Um, you know, even in Canada, like I know Dante has been on who's number one a bunch of times and he's done amazing. He's an amazing grappler, but it would be cool to see more people from Canada have an opportunity too, right. So it's, I don't know, it's, it's tough because flow grappling is just going to go with whoever gets them the most amount of views and makes the money, which is Gordon. And I'm sure they have other people as well but as a competitor you just like to see more people be given a chance but but you can't really say anything negative about what Flow's done for the sport even in the short amount of time they've had like the rights to jiu-jitsu with IBJJF and ADCC like look how far it's come try to watch any video of ADCC pre-flow grappling and fucking good luck trying to get through it <laughs> right. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: You're, you're gonna go have to find ricardo Amendolia's, uh vhs collection in his house and then you'll be able to actually find all that stuff I right think, yeah, I think yeah he has some on beta as well yeah and it is beta tapes for sure no <laughs> you you made a you made a great point especially with um flow grappling like changing the game as far as like the way they pop like they show the sport is amazing right they they second to none but as you said like with the athletes that they choose 100% i completely agree with you where they they've kind of have their niche of like who they want to support who they're going to look after and it's all guys that are local within that area. So it's like, yeah, it kind of helps for them, especially like San Diego. We look at California, obviously Austin, and New York. Those are kind of the three central hubs. But then again, anything north of the border, they're not necessarily going anywhere about sir, unless those guys are coming to the U.S. And I think that's where they really need to start to expand upon. And hopefully that comes within the next couple of years. But I think that's the biggest thing where it's like getting more again, eyes on our competitors, especially in Canada, because there's so many.
2: Yeah, we all kind of have our different role that we're playing in the sport, right? Like for me, I'm not putting on events. I'm not super actively competing anymore. I'm just, I see this stuff happen on Flow Grappling and I'm just like, awesome. More people are getting an opportunity and, you know, and, you know, that, that's wicked. For me, my role in the sport now is to be a teacher and try to just get as many people on board with the, you know, like kind of intelligent training approach. And I mean, I'm sure you guys see it now, like students, they just have more resources than we did as they were coming up. Like they're just going to be oh, yeah. better. Like, oh, yeah. Yeah. I wasn't able to watch all of Craig, all how Craig Jones leglocked everyone when I was a blue belt, right? Like you can literally watch that now. You can buy his offense, heel hook DVD. You can buy six hours of him showing defense on people. Right. So definitely that's um, a luxury that we definitely didn't have when we were coming up, just the amount of um, resources and, and the curriculum you can get from these guys. But, but I think in my own way, I can give students something that's just as valuable because there's always something that's lost in translation. When you watch DVD like either like if it's me for example like maybe I could be like just speaking poorly or like you just kind of lose something and like how the technique's being performed like I think everyone would agree like you're just going to get more out of it if you're there in person compared to just watching video you have no chance to ask questions or or anything like that so I think if I can just give people a good framework and like how to learn and just like how to kind of think critically about jujitsu and like i i don't even want my students to like need me like i feel like they should be good on their own once they get to a certain level and now at Halifax BJJ it's kind of cool because i've had people just run the beginner classes like a couple of my purple belts have run the classes and it's cool getting to see them because like i've taught them basically up to the point where they're at now and i'm watching them and i'm like i'm like in some ways like he's a better teacher than i am but it's cool like I'm not mad at that like i'm proud that he's a good teacher and it's like he wouldn't even be able to do it if it wasn't for me but it's cool that i'm seeing like i feel like i'm building better instructors than myself mm-hmm. which it's just going to keep that kind of like spider web effect going and like these people will go on to teach more people and then hopefully they'll make good instructors and then they can teach more people so it's like like you just can just, like I said, you just kind of a small change can just kind of ripple effects into like the greater jiu-jitsu community. So, so I think flow does an awesome job putting on events. My role in jiu-jitsu that I see now is just me being a teacher and just trying to get the techniques out there.
1: Very nice. What's so, is that basically your future, like going forward? Like you're, you're going to focus more on teaching or are you going to open up another school? Are you going to make like uh, a world masters, like master seven run? Like I am at some point, like what are your what are you going to be doing for the future for uh you know your your school and yourself?
2: Yeah, I'll definitely be teaching. Uh, I mean, I teach every day and, and I love it. So I'm, I'm definitely going to be discontinuing with that. And uh, you know, I'm just starting out with my own school, but I'll you know I'll be looking to expand on that in the future. I'm sure. And you know, just just kind of start out small and let things grow naturally is kind of how how I like to do it. So. So yeah. And also in terms of competing, I would also still like to compete. Um, But just at the point I'm at now, like I'm, uh, I'm 31. So I still have some good years to compete, but I just feel like I'm only going to compete if I'm, if my heart's really into it and I really want to do it, you know, like I'm sure everyone's competed before just because they've been like peer pressured into it or you just don't really want to do it. And I feel like, if you don't want to do it, don't do it. Like if you, if you really feel in your heart of hearts that you want to compete and you want to go out and get after it, it is a hundred percent the best way to get experience. And if you want to become a better jiu-jitsu player you should compete, okay. But if you're just like too racked by the nerves or, you know, you just, you're uncomfortable then you, you don't have to do it. And I do a lot of in-house competitions and I think it, it makes a difference and it makes people better and it just helps people get over the nerves. But yeah, but just going back to, in terms of myself, like I, uh, I definitely would like to do that master's worlds, um, and, and compete at that. That would be a lot of fun, but, but it's just, I see myself as more like if I'm going to do an IBJJF, it would probably be like one IBJJF event a year, or maybe like one or two per year. Like, I think for me competing locally is still cool because like I said, I like to lead by example. And I feel like if I'm telling my students to go compete and I'm like, yeah, that's the best way to get better like, I feel like I have to take my own advice and and do it as well. So, so two, I think it was two years ago. Yeah. 2019. Um, I said, I'm just going to compete in every competition this year. As long as I'm healthy, I'm just going to sign up and do it. So I ended up having like around like 40 matches or something like that year. I did a couple IBJJF tournaments. I did a lot of local ones. And what I learned by the end of that year is I felt like I had over done it slightly and I feel like you just got to pick tournaments that re- that you really care about and that really matter to you and just try to focus on those because like I already have all like the reps of competition like just from doing hundreds of matches of blue belt like it's like I've been I've kind of been there done that like I'm not going to get like overwhelmed or surprised by the nerves so I think for me there's a couple competitions that happen locally that I'm interested in and like IBJJF masters if there was like if there was like an IBJJF open in New York and like maybe there was, I don't know, like one of the Meow Brothers or something that was in my division, I'd be like, oh, cool. Maybe I want to go and do this just to kind of test myself. So, so I think going forward, I will still be competing, but just not as frequently, like maybe, you know, five, six times a year, I think would be a lot for me competing, but you never know if it's something interesting, I, I'd like to do it. And just kind of uh, just growing my, uh, my presence teaching, I guess, kind of both at the gym and I've been filming a lot more stuff and putting it out online. Also, I think combined with the podcast just gives people a good, just kind of look into how I think about jujitsu and interpret it. And I feel like any good teacher is just going to make the learning process shorter and easier for their students than it was for me. You know, like not to say that I didn't have great teachers because I did, but I feel like I can just do it a little better because I can just like condense the information and just like trim the fat and just focus on what really matters. So, so yeah, going forward, I'm, I'm just planning on, on teaching as much as I can growing my own uh, school, helping out at Halifax BJJ They're, um You know, it's one of the most amazing jujitsu gyms that I've ever been a part of. And I'm, I'm really happy to be there and play a small role in that. So, so yeah, just, just to kind of spread uh, more and more jujitsu and, and occasionally go out and try to win win one myself, I guess, is the plan for the future.
0: Oh, that's awesome. No, we do look forward, obviously, to like seeing your kind of growth, obviously, with the school, obviously, your podcast, having that grow as well. And then again, through the competitions that you do in the future, we definitely wish you the best of luck throughout those. But I do want to thank you very much for joining us on the podcast today. It's been awesome. We've had a great conversation. Um, Is there anything you'd like to say, whether it's sponsors or shout outs you want to do before we wrap up?
2: Uh, Yeah. uh, Akiro is a sponsor of mine. uh, Akiro Jiu-Jitsu, they've helped me out and, you know, given me gear and, um, you know, been a part of like contests and stuff that I've done. So I definitely like to give a shout out to Akiro. If you'd like to follow me or just kind of learn more about me or, what I'm doing, you can follow me on Instagram and on YouTube at Presley BJJ. Um, I'm pretty active on both of those now. YouTube, I'm posting a lot of like student match breakdowns where I'll just kind of do a commentary track over like an in-house tournament match. I think it's a great way if you're a newer student to get exposed to competition, see the common mistakes, see what works, see what doesn't. And I feel like I've done this for a long time. I have, you know, a pretty good head on my shoulders. I know what I'm doing. So I feel like if you listen to me break down a blue belt match and you're a blue belt yourself, you're gonna get something out of it. And uh, for Instagram, it's just a lot more of just kind of like what's going on with my classes, you know, kind of quick clips or like me doing techniques. So. And, uh, if you'd also like to listen to my podcast, uh, that's the great Canadian BJJ show. And, um, yeah, you can get that on Spotify or Apple music or, or wherever you can get it. And for the most part for that, I'm interviewing a lot of people in the Maritimes and getting their story, how they got started, what they're into now, how COVID affected them, current issues in the sport. So yeah, if you want to, uh, to learn more about me, uh, Presley BJJ on Instagram or on YouTube. And, uh, thanks to you guys for having me on here. It's cool to, uh, to actually get to meet you and chat with you a bit. And, um, I always love talking about jujitsu. So whoever's, whoever's down to do it, I'm, I'm willing to do it too.
1: Awesome. Awesome. If, uh, this, th- if this whole co, uh, hosting thing doesn't work out. Can I come on your podcast instead? <laughs> <laughs> we can talk. We can talk after off air. <laughs>
0: As long as you're okay to do a lot of editing yeah you can deal with it
1: <laughs> all right aaron this is the plan i get 50 percent. josh gets 50 percent. you can get whatever's left over okay nah, no. that sounds
0: like a plan that sounds like a plan <laughs> josh it's been awesome thanks so much for joining us today bud thanks a lot for having me, guys.